Hey, everybody, and welcome back to Gear 30 on the Blister Podcast Network. In case you couldn't tell, you're here today with Kara Williard, and you can check out all the things we are doing and reviewing over at blisterreview.com. For today's episode, I had the pleasure of speaking with two awesome guys from New Zealand, John Knight and Darren Grimmett, two of the owners of an impressive operation of ski, bike, and running stores located in the Southern Lakes region on the South Island of New Zealand. Outside Sports is a blister-recommended shop, and as you will hear in this episode, for good reason. So besides hearing about the humble beginnings and impressive growth of Outside Sports over the years, John and Darren provide a very helpful guide and breakdown of information for all the things you should know about traveling to and skiing in New Zealand. We discuss the difference between ski fields and club fields. Turns out ski fields are what they call resort skiing. You also can learn about the vast options for backcountry and heli skiing. You'll find out what a nutcracker is, thanks to John Knight, gain some insight on the best ski gear for New Zealand, and get a bit of an overview on how to make the most out of a trip to New Zealand. Which I can attest to, New Zealand is awesome for so many more reasons than just the skiing. I was lucky enough to be there exactly a year ago, and I miss so much about it, including the food, awesome people, and incredible views everywhere you look. So if you have been thinking about a ski trip to New Zealand, this episode is definitely for you. And even if you haven't, by the end of this episode, I bet you'll be rather intrigued. Outside Sports is one of our blister recommended shops, and this is a quick reminder that as you gear up for the season, it's time to consult with a local shop in your region. So check out our growing list of blister recommended shops. And when you stop in to get your boot refitted or skis tuned up, or you just want to look at some of the new gear for the season, be sure to let them know that we sent you. This episode of Gear 30 is brought to you by Open Snow. We've all been there, scrolling through multiple clunky websites and apps full of ads to find all the snow and weather forecast data to plan our next adventure or go powder chasing over the weekend. Well, it might finally be time to retire all of those weather apps thanks to Open Snow. Open Snow is your one-stop shop for all of the essential weather tools. At Open Snow, you can view 10-day weather forecasts for any location on Earth, read expert local analysis from their team of local forecasters, track active fire patterns with perimeter hotspot and smoke forecast maps, avoid lightning with live and forecast radar, and compare recent conditions and forecasts at your favorite locations, and much more. So you can try Open Snow today by visiting opensnow.com blister. You can sign up to receive a free trial through January 31st, 2024, with no credit card required. That's pretty incredible because by end of January, we'll be in the hardest ski season. And by then, you'll probably already be very into open snow and checking it daily. So go sign up for your free trial today at opensnow.com slash blister. And one last reminder, we are in the final weeks of wrapping up our 23-24 annual winter buyer's guide. And this is going to be a good one, folks. It's our biggest ever. This year's Buyer's Guide features over 300 pairs of skis, has three women-specific ski sections, over 70 ski boots, plus apparel, accessories, snowboards, and then you also get all of our usual ski quivers, spectrums, a ton of awesome photos, you can read our best of category for this season, and more. There's really no guide more comprehensive than this one, so purchase your print copy today and while you're at it you may as well sign up to become a blister plus member this will not only get you the guide in print and digital version you will also receive copious benefits of being a blister member like tons of discounts on awesome gear from not only some great brands out there but also a lot of our blister recommended shops and you get some of the best outdoor injury related insurance coverage out there so sign up for blister plus today and you can learn everything you need to know about 2324 snow sports gear for the season and protect your wallet from absurd medical bills if you happen to be a little bit more unlucky and take a fall like the one John Knight describes in the end of this episode with maybe some worse outcomes. So with that, let's get right into my conversation with John and Darren from Outside Sports in New Zealand. 
All right. Well, I'm here today with John Knight and Darren Grimmett, and they are joining us from the Southern Hemisphere. Um, so we're going to be talking a whole bunch about their season in New Zealand, how things have been going, and a bunch more. But I'm really excited to be talking to you guys today. We've chatted quite a bit over the past few weeks, and you guys are really fun to talk to. So of course, you guys have kind of started and founded a pretty impressive specialty retail operation in New Zealand called Outside Sports. And before we get into kind of what Outside Sports specializes in, I just want to hear a bit more about your guys' individual backgrounds and kind of how you started on this pathway to where you are today. Uh, good morning, Cara, and thank you uh, for, for having us on the show. For myself, uh, I was from a, a triathlon background uh, originally. When I stopped competing, and I, I used to do a lot of my training in Queenstown, and uh, we always wanted, a, I suppose you could say, a reason or excuse to come back and live in Queenstown, my wife, Judy, and I. And um, we started, well, with a friend, Craig Wanty, uh, we ended up setting up outside sports in, uh, in Queenstown 1995. Pretty much we've grown from there. Uh, as a student, I, um, I got into skiing uh, in a big way at uh, Porter Heights, Craigburn, Temple Basin, which are fields in Canterbury in the South Island of New Zealand. I was a student in, at Canterbury University. Or as a member, one season I um, I, did, I think it was forty five separate days from uh, from Christchurch. Um, so yeah, that that really hooked me on skiing, and uh, it was part of the reason why we wanted to um, live in Queenstown. We were looking around for a, uh, a reason, pretty much how we could live in the town. And uh, I had a, uh, as I said, a good friend Craig Wanty who uh, who worked in um, the outdoor retail business and company called Recycle Recreation in Dunedin. He moved on from that and uh, winter of 95, we came up to Queenstown and pretty much, I think we had a few dollars each, bought kit, got a lease, opened up the store and that that was it from, from, uh, from outside sports. That's how that started. Cool. And John, you've spent some time in Colorado. That's, do I have that correct? Yes, yes, Cara. Um, we were two years in Colorado. Actually, um, was oh, a, a lifetime ago, ninety one and ninety two, and we based ourselves there um, while uh, for training while I raced and various Ironman around the world, Lanzarote, uh, Canada, yeah, um, the Alpine Ironman in, in Europe, and a few others. And uh, yeah, I can't say enough about Boulder. It's such a um, such a beautiful place, beautiful people. I've only ever been there over summer, I must admit. So one of these days, we have to go back. Maybe it's the blister summer. Yeah, please come see out. us. But um, I, I remember biking past Crested Butte. I remember swimming at a place that was 9,000 um, feet, um, a swimming pool, sorry. And I always remember struggling to tumble turn because <laughs> it was like lack of breath and so on. So, no, that um, very, very special time of our lives um, up in, in Boulder, as I said, and, and training, racing. and mingling with the people and just just everything about it the food um just, it was yeah an awesome awesome time awesome place awesome well i can say the same about new zealand but we'll get into that in a bit so let's hear from you darren as far as your background and kind of what led you to this path that you're on today yeah i guess it's um it's a i grew up in in, in Invercargill in the bottom of the bottom of the south island uh People used to give me a hard time. That's not the end of the world, but they think you can see it from there. <laughs> but um, my my grandfather was uh, a keen fisherman. Well, my, I get my father also. But so they used to come to the Wanaka since the, about the nineteen forties to fly fish the rivers. And in uh, in nineteen fifty three, eventually they bought a property on the on the side of the river at Albert Town, which is a few case out of Wanaka. Well, it was a few cases out of Wanaka. It's now part of Wanaka. It's, it's a bit of urban growth. But um, so as a child, all my all my holidays, uh, long weekends, many other weekends were spent in Wanaka, uh, either either fishing or boating or, or, or some sort of activity in the outdoors. And so it's where I've called home. And I, I was lucky enough in a foot, Further in a former position, sorry, to um, 
base myself here. It was and it was a corporate company, and I moved away to um, to I guess extend myself in that in that company, and quickly realised that I wanted to be back in Wanaka, and I uh, had an opportunity to to join a company called Good Sports at the time, which uh, within a you know a couple of years merged with Outside Sports, and so I was, I managed that store for. For a number of years, and and then eventually, I, I got the opportunity to to um, become a shareholder of the outside sports team. Yeah, and so I, I love the outdoors. I, I learned to to ski when I was fourteen, and spent a number of years, you know, traveling traveling here to ski in the weekends and so forth. Just generally, generally enjoyed sport, and. I guess but for my wife also, she's from the Netherlands. She's been drawn to New Zealand for the outdoors. And uh, it's a really good foot for us. We're passionate about getting out in the outdoors, enjoying the environment and having good gear to to, to um, make the best of the opportunities we have. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I guess from there, maybe just let people know a bit more about outside sports as far as what you guys specialize in. And also you're kind of extensive these days. I mean, you have locations sprinkled all around and so maybe just give an overview there and kind of talk about some of the stuff that you guys focus on as outside sports just just as a company it really has come i think from humble beginnings you know there was uh the queenstown store i know was a huge success when when john and his business partner took it on they were pretty uh i guess forward thinking and the fact that uh, good equipment really wasn't catered for in, in a big way, so they were, um, I guess, yeah, uh, set a new set a new bar and raised a lot of standards. Uh, and and in Tiarnow, we have a store in Tiarnow also, and that uh, not sure, John, but I think probably it was the early seventies or late sixties when that was when that was founded uh, by a former partner and. Um, and specialising in, in general sports, really. And over the time, the growth of the tramping, the great walks have come along and it's really evolved. And, and in Wanaka here, uh, we have a business partner who um, started Good Sports. And that was quite a unique story where he he really, really decided, he's a keen skier and decided that he was a builder. So he, he decided that he wanted to... Um, Another, I guess, income stream other than building, and uh, bought fifty sets of skis and some workshop equipment, and had no nowhere for it to operate, and uh, applied for a building consent, which didn't come, and decided on a Saturday morning that uh, he would build this shed and and pieces and move it into the centre of town until the the councillor realised what was happening and come and stopped him <laughs> and said, "Hey, you can't do that." So, you know. Uh, midway through the season, eventually got the consent and, and, and opened, and that's where the business has started from here, and it's just evolved. But just getting into um, into what we cater for, you know, um, essentially uh, ski and skiing in the winter was the probably the biggest part of our our business, uh, and where most of the grunt has gone. So we've got you know we've got in Queenstown and Wanaka, we've got very um, well-supported workshops uh, and uh, some some boot fitters that have been with us for uh, the Wanaka boot our Wanaka boot fitter has been with us for 25 years and and he was doing back-to-back seasons before that so very 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 experienced um, uh, which is we're really thankful for uh, and. Our Queenstown boot fitter Darren Arsacast has been with us for twenty years now. It's birthday yeah, today, yeah. actually, so it's, it's pretty cool as well. Yeah, so some real longevity there, which we, you know, as a company and our customers have benefited from. Uh, we we have uh, fully serviced uh, bike shops in, in both Queenstown and Wanaka. So, and we also specialise in running, uh, trail running, and and. We're excited with the growth in the trail running uh, market because there's just so many opportunities <laughs> to explore, and it's and it's really a different vibe. It's a, you know, it's, I think people trail run for a different 
feeling than they do from running a a, a road race, for example. And so that's uh, so we, you know, we've got some some what? staff that have been really highly involved in that. No, no, not at all, Darren. One of the other, um, well, I suppose you could say, like um, growth areas has been um, Tiaroa Trail, the TA Trail, which is commonly known as. And um, we it started off maybe six, seven years ago, and it, it basically walked the link, or, or bike ride the length of New Zealand. And um, it's very, very cool where it goes. And like, like in the last couple of years, we're seeing people from all over, now the borders are open again, from all over the world coming through. And um, just as it happens, our stores from Tekapo through to Tiana are all on the trail, Wanaka, Queenstown. So, so it's that's been um, something fascinating too. And I think for me personally, when I'm um, like in the Tekapo store, some of the others just talking to people and their, their experiences on the trail too. It's been like it's like life altering for so many people. So uh, that's that's been. I guess it's a really version of the Appalachian Trail. So, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's really neat. And it's cool. I mean, you guys kind of have uh, specialized in quite a bit. And I think you also do like qu- quite a bit in camping um, and just like more general outdoor gear as well. Um, so do you feel like some of how the shop has evolved has kind of catered to what people are becoming more interested in in New Zealand as sort of recreation has expanded and you're trying to kind of respond to some of that? Or how did you kind of um, decide where you were going to focus on and like specialize in these different aspects of gear? Our passions. Yeah, I was about to say the same, Darren. <laughs> Man, it's just pure it's luck. I mean, yeah, the, the, the fact that we love getting out there and doing, uh, doing it. John, in particular, um, you know, uh, Judy, his wife, my wife's been a multi sporter also. So the, the fact that we've been enjoying getting out there and doing the activity, and the gear's just evolving, and it's becoming more accessible to people. Uh, and so, yeah, we've just been lucky. I guess that's the attraction to Blister. We love your we love your site because we love what's happening in the and and um in the market and, and what we've got to look forward to. Yeah, and it just I think for me too, the growth of um people in in our area, locals just getting out into the back country, side country, so winter and summer. I always remember, you know, twenty twenty five years ago, I'd be um ski touring, I'd be up at Coronet Peak, we'd be in the Doolins, the Remarkables. And you might see, you know, one or two other groups. And now I can go up and Coronet Peak in the morning and like um, Green Gates, the local car park, 6.30 in the morning is full. And it's people, you know, side country, people getting up before before work and, and going skinning. Some of them have their dogs. It's um, it's so cool to see just, and, you know, obviously further afield, bigger trips, some of the, the different places. But um that, that's exciting as well, I think, too, summer and winter, just people making, um, and, and lots of you know younger people making so much more of, of what we have to offer here down in the Southern Lakes. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I'm sure you've seen a growth in tourism and then just a growth in local people wanting to get out. Obviously, there's such expansive, or maybe not obvious for people who don't know, but there's such expansive options for exploring in New Zealand and just so much terrain and a lot to be offered there, um, which we can get a bit more into. So I guess right now you guys are kind of in the heart of your season and that's pretty cool. As you've been enjoying this season, is there any sort of like new like sort of trends or highlights that you're seeing either from gear or just like people's general interest in uh, getting outside? I think for me, the, the probably the, the highlights of the season are is the fact that, you know, we're post a COVID area era and um we've got you know uh people coming from all over the world again uh, and to raise teams yeah for the right reasons and you know from our from a staffing perspective we get young guys and girls out of europe and the us and and coming to, to to just ski and adventure and you know they're great people and uh that that keeps us alive, really. So, um, you know, it keeps, keeps the fun in the game. And so, yeah, that's the highlight for me. And, you know, like Round Hill last week, there were um, teams from Poland. There were a couple of um, teams from US of A, junior teams. Um, there were uh, teams from Japan and, and China, um, again, junior teams. But just so good to see people who, who love winter and, you know, different levels 
coaches barking at the, you know, the kids, trying to get them to do things properly, all that kind of stuff. It's just it's so good to see see them all back again. Awesome. Well, I think you guys have touched on quite a bit and, you know, from humble beginnings to now having, um, I think, what is it? Six store locations. Maybe I'm wrong on that, but obviously it's, it's grown, but it's all been based in passion the entire time. And so I think that's really important and good to highlight. Um, you guys mentioned that, you know, you have some, you know, boot fitters that have been around for 25 years. You have a lot of things that you offer on the bike and the ski and the trail running and camping side. Um, but is there anything else you kind of want to highlight for people maybe as they're traveling to New Zealand or just things you want to mention as far as like some of the services you offer, um, either ski tuning, things like that? We um, we run demos, um, ski demo programs in our Queenstown and Wanaka stores. So you can um, actually try the latest and greatest. Or if you're um, that way inclined, you can just hire them out for um, hundred dollars a day and try a different seat every day, which, um, some people enjoy. We, um, we have, uh, two world class winter workshop, um, setups team in Wanaka and Queenstown. We're, um, we're catering for a, a wide range of clients from race teams, um, through, through to, um, to locals, tourists who just, um, want, want to, um, an edge and wax. Uh, yeah, it's, um, the smell of wax in the stores is always, um, Pretty special and people love it when they're on holidays. So, yeah. <laughs> We've just purchased uh, to, um, in Wanaka uh, a side ass Shiva. I don't know if you've ever heard one of those, but that's a, it's a boot stretching tool that, you know, we, we can stretch up to four boots at a time in about 20 minutes. So the, the boot goes on the machine, it gets heated, it gets stretched and it comes off cold and ready to leave the store. And that's a that's been a huge advantage for us because in, in previous seasons, you know, we've had very busy boot fitters where they'll they'll accumulate the work and then spend their night, you know, toiling away in the in the workshop and the customer has to pick their boot up early in the morning before they leave town and, and head to the mountain. Yeah, it's so cool. I mean, having those uh, efficiencies now coming into boot fitting is huge because you know, to get the proper stretch, you have to get it to that temperature and then make sure it cools all the way. But now with like things that CDIS is doing, it's like, oh, well, now I can stretch four boots and it's going to take a fraction of the time and people are on their way and all of those are good things. So that's awesome that you guys are implementing some of that and just uh, making it a smoother process on your end as well as quicker for the, the customer as well. Well, that's excellent. And it's really cool to hear um, all about outside sports. So I guess we'll get into gear for a minute just because, you know, you're kind of uh, skiing some of the new stuff ahead of the rest of the world, um, which is awesome. So you guys in New Zealand often will get the 23-24 skis and boots before um, us in the Northern Hemisphere really have had them in our hands or, you know, before they're available at shops. Um, And so that's pretty cool. Is there any sort of new gear or new skis maybe that you want to mention before we talk about some other aspects of skiing in New Zealand? Uh, we, we, I guess as far as equipment is concerned, or, or skis in particular, yeah, we carry a good range of, uh, of skis from uh, some of the major brands, you know, Atomic, Tinnistar, Faction, um, Rosignola. They're, they're our key, key brands here. And, uh, yeah, there's, there's some, um, yeah, there's definitely... We're finding that skis perform a whole lot better than they did, particularly in that wider underfoot uh, market. So, you know, you can get away with skiing a, a fatter ski and, and ski all mountain, especially in New Zealand where we do have sometimes variable conditions. And so, uh, yeah, I guess skis from, you know, the obviously the, the Ben Shetlers have been very, very, very popular for us, uh, factions and, and the Manas, um, right through to our Peace Carvers, uh, through from Atomic and, and Dinistar, really. But uh, I think the, the exciting part, part of the, the technology is that I feel that most brands are, are, are ski, are, uh, sorry, most brands are producing a product that's uh, getting better and better year on year. And yeah, we're very, very fortunate that we get the season ahead product uh, in skis. Uh, boots, not so, but you know, skis, we, we do. And, and that's just an exciting um, addition for us. Yeah, I feel like when I was there, um, I mean, you were right as far as variable conditions, and I think we'll talk a bit more about that. But it seems like there's a lot of people who ski like sort of a 
you know, pieced carving ski, if that's like what their focus is on. And then a lot of people are skiing like pretty wide skis otherwise. Um, and I think that kind of maybe was reflective of like, you could be getting kind of a wide range of conditions. And sometimes when it is like sort of that more variable or sort of like crud or um, even like crust, especially like a breakable crust, I feel like it's, it's nice to have a wider ski. And so when I was out there, everyone was like, I brought like a ski that was 102 underfoot. And they're like, oh, you need a ski way wider than that for the conditions you might encounter today. And so I was kind of just thinking like, you know, um, I felt like a bit the wider skis provide more benefits for some of those variable conditions. Whereas sometimes like here in Colorado, I'm thinking about a wider ski for when conditions are just softer or, you know, it's going to be a good powder day. Um, do you guys feel like there's some, some truth to that? Or do you feel like you end up selling and you know, a lot of wider skis go out the door to kind of help with some of these variable conditions. I think, well, sorry, Darren, for me, um, personally, while I've been skiing, I'm just going wider and wider. And I'm, we're both on 108s at the moment. And uh, apart from when it's really icy and you can still ski, you've just got to um, be really good technically. They are a fantastic ski for, um, for like from soft powder right through to, to crud. Um, and so for our customers, of you know, for most people that can only afford one ski, definitely, um, you know, we're selling wider, wider underfoot um, skis. Yeah, I think the volume in the markets from that early 90s to, to 100 underfoot, and there's generally a ski within there, depending, you know, depending on, on the brand. And um, you know, I guess the other brand that we sell, I didn't mention was Head, but, you know, you know we've felt that the... You know, depending on the on the range of skis, sometimes the the wider ski actually might ski a little bit nicer than the than a narrower one in the range. But most commonly, mid nineties through to about a hundred underfoot is a good all mountain ski. Yeah, that's interesting. Well, I guess from here, let's just kind of dive into you know what it looks like to ski in New Zealand. I feel like um, we've had a lot of uh, people from the Blister audience like express interest in skiing in New Zealand. Um, I know we do have an audience in. New Zealand. And so, you know, this might be um, not the information for them, but for all the people who are kind of interested in what it's like to ski in New Zealand, I guess we'll just kind of break it down into different parts. Um, The first one would be like, sort of how do you get there? And then maybe how do you decide where to go? Because there's, um, there's tons of mountains in New Zealand. I mean, I saw them from a helicopter last year and it's just endless as far as um, mountains. There's quite a bit of resorts, or I guess as you guys call them, ski fields. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. Um, and so there's, you know, just quite a bit there. So I feel like the biggest thing is like, um, you know, maybe you fly into Auckland and then, and then where do you go from there? And maybe what would you tell people as far as like how to decide on maybe where to focus? So typically, um, for the best snow, and I'll probably be whipped for that, but, um, it's the southern lakes of, of New Zealand. Um, You'd fly from Auckland into Queenstown, um, and depending upon wh- what type of skiing you're into, um, if it's family-based skiing, uh, um, NZ Ski and Real NZ, NZ Ski own Remarkables, Coronet Peak, and Mount Hutt, and Real NZ own Cadrona and uh, Triple Cone, and so all, all of those mountains, uh, those ski fields have uh, not. Or a varying range of facilities. NZ Ski pretty much state of the art, um, chairlifts, uh, six seaters, fast, et cetera, um, with, uh, really big base buildings, facilities, uh, you can have a wine, a beautiful meal for lunch, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so that's may- maybe not world class, but it's, it's, it's getting up there and, um, the ski fields are groomed. The runs, uh, they all have snowmaking. So um, typically, uh, e- even if it's a, a lean start to the winter, like we had this winter, you can still um, have a, a fantastic experience, holiday experience. Um, then uh, the 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 other maybe more New Zealand type of skiing is our as our club or our small commercial fields, which are. Um, Located, uh, typically, uh, in the Mackenzie country. Uh, there's, uh, Round Hill, Ohau and Dobson, which are all sm- small commercial fields. And, um, which, uh, Darren and I and Liam, Darren's son have had the pleasure to ski, um, 
round Hill and Dobson uh, last week and had uh, had incredible experience. Um, what what you'd say about them typically is uh, they're more relaxed. They're not so busy. Um, it's more like skiing twenty or thirty years ago. Um, they don't have the same facilities in terms of um, you know you, pro- you some of them using a nutcracker or um, sorry a rope toe nutcracker combination. Uh, T bars, palmers. Um, they made um, and then but yeah, sorry the, the the actual experience is still. Fantastic for um, the snow, etc. Um, they they will all have sorry they all have groomers, etc. And then um, you've got further north again. You've got um, Canterbury um, club fields uh, plus Port Heights and Mount Hutt. Um, Mount Hutt owned by NZ Ski with a full on uh, commercial operation. Um, big mountain, awesome snow can handle five six thousand people a day. Port Heights smaller. It's um, at this entrance to the Craigieburns. If you've never skied there, Big Mama Run is like, I still remember it from early days. It's like uh, 1,500 feet probably steep the whole way. By the time you get to the bottom, your legs are killing you, but it's like one of the best runs in in New Zealand. Uh, And then you've got um, further along from there, you've got um, a range of uh, fields from Mount Olympus, uh, Cheeseman, Broken River, uh, Craigieburn itself. which um, have um, a couple of them have tea bars. Bulk of them are um, rope toes with nutcrackers. And then Temple Basin, which is actually where I learned to ski, that's right on the main divide um, at Arthur's um, Pass. And you have to, there's a gear lift, but you have to hike up. Um, but typically you're staying there for a weekend. When, when I say I learned to ski, the, the flat area there is about 200 meters and the rest of it's just steep, steep, steep. So maybe not a good idea, but um, a, a, an amazing field. And uh, the top part of it actually goes right, goes right to the top of the main divide, so it's a um, pretty special place. And then I, just really quick, um, in the South Island, at least the, the final field I'd like to call out is Aokino, which is down the Waitaki Valley. And um, with Darren and I have never been there yet, but um, a farmer runs this one, and um, basically there's a, uh, a key that you get for the gate. There's an old hut you can stay in. And there's a, a track to rope tow that um, you actually have to fire up yourself as a customer. Um, so it's normally a group. So that, that's a really um, fantastic story. And apparently the snow down there at the moment's really good as well. So wow. there you go. Yeah, so it's kind of the full spectrum of experience based on maybe what you want to have, whether it's sort of a more accommodations and more facilities, more infrastructure, um, maybe, you know, more snowmaking, things like that versus what sounds to me like a pretty cool sort of authentic experience in like the club fields where you can go and maybe just enjoy like a simpler day on the mountain and not have to, uh, you know, deal with the, the traffic and the people and all of that. So that's that's pretty cool that, um, you know, you can kind of still find both in New Zealand. And really easy to get into backcountry from those club fields too. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, maybe they- talk a bit about um, the backcountry skiing in New Zealand and sort of like what that often looks like um, and sort of the options there? Um, a, a group of us probably six or seven years ago had um, a week up in, um, in the Craigieburns um, back country and uh, that was something that was pretty special. Uh, was, do you remember the name of the place you can stay, Darren? It's um, it's just yeah. down Castle, Castle. Castle Hill, that's right. Yeah, yeah, which is pretty good value accommodation lot, um, and, and plenty of it. We based ourselves there. We had our mountain bikes, so um, we were able to ride, you know, um, in the afternoons as well. And then we pretty much um, maybe tied ass Kiwis, but we didn't pay for any passes. We just um, drove up the various access fields and um, and just skin from there, um, set up skinning routes. And uh, I think the thing I remember from that trip, the snow was uh, was amazing, and like you know, all sorts of varying different conditions, and there were six of us range of abilities so you know same old story just being a little bit careful where we were and and so on but um i I can't say enough about um you know and again obviously it depends upon the type of skier uh, you are who you're with um the kit you've got but uh and and having said that as a um you know if you're more advanced you've got the right kit axes and so on you can pretty much go wherever you want um and and 
you know, steep and long, um, getting closer to the divide, closer to Arthur's Pass, the said Temple Basin, or the Craigburns themselves are rounder, smoother, so um, easier access, um, not so steep um, in terms of uh, the slopes you're, you're skiing on. Um, and, and probably the final thing to say there too, a, a lot safer in terms of avalanches maybe than, um, than again, than further uh, closer to the divide. Uh, so yeah, yeah. That's the, I guess the other the other side of it. I mean, we've got mountains, as you say, Cara. There's mountains everywhere you look. So there's opportunities in in, in all directions. Um, I think uh, we've got some very good guiding companies here also, which run uh, I guess like weekend awareness courses and all sorts of different you know options. So you know, like as you we, as we know, we've got varying conditions. Um, so it really does pay to know, you know, what's yep. going on in the mountains with snowpack, et cetera. Yep. Yeah, I think that's a great point, Darren. And we'll maybe touch a bit more on why it's a good idea to hire a guide, um, particularly just because how much terrain there is. But then, of course, there's also the aspect of snowpack. Um, so, John, do you have anything to mention? I know you had before we jumped on the call, you were talking a bit about an avalanche that occurred a couple of weeks ago. Yes, um, Cara, the, the avalanche was um, an area called the Doolins, back of Remarks, which is um, really easy uh, in terms of access and uh, awesome skiing or boarding. And uh, a real eye-opener, actually, for a local um, community, mountaineering community, because uh, it was a 3.2-grade avalanche. It might have even been more than that, actually. Uh, and the, the two... Guys who set it off did all the right things, dug pits, checked out, um, the, you know, um, conditions, et cetera, before they, um, well, one snowboarded down and the, the, uh, first guy basically set it off. And then, um, the second guy videoed it, which is, um, this day and age is great because people can see and be more aware of, um, think, well, God, I, I you know, I, if that's me, I better be careful, better dig a pit or, um, know what I'm doing, get, um, advice get a, uh, a lesson etc so yeah we w- one final point on 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 our snow conditions is obviously we're an island nation where our weather is very variable and uh, like right now at the moment our skiing um, snow conditions are as good as they can get but who knows in a week's time the spring could be here um you know and uh everything's melting etc etc uh then freeze thaw cycles uh, yeah, you just got to be aware when you're in back country, um, as anywhere, but particularly here, that um, you need to to have some experience or have people who who know that um, their stuff with you. Yeah, which again, I guess, goes back to the point of sometimes it is worth hiring the guide. You know, they know the conditions, they know where the best snow is going to be. Um, particularly if you're looking to go into the back country or, I guess, heli skiing, which um. I know I've talked to you guys about, but last season, my partner was heli ski guiding in out of Queenstown. So I got to come visit and, uh, yeah, similar, see, yeah. See, yeah, with Alpine. Yeah, I, I couldn't recommend heli skiing enough, actually, yeah. with either some of the teams in Wanaka, Queenstown, or Tekapo, or um, up in Methan, um, because as you pointed out, those guides, they really know their stuff and they know where the best snow conditions, et cetera, are. So you're going to have an awesome experience. And I, I do know heli skiing in New Zealand is, is really good value for money compared to some other places as well. So couldn't recommend that enough, actually. Yeah. And I would just, um, I mean, hit on that as well, because I kind of came, it was a great season for you guys, but I came after a major rain and wind event. So, you know, it, it conditions quickly deteriorated from what they had been. <laughs> So I got the full experience, which was great, meaning, you know, everything from like, yeah. oh, this is kind of soft, like spring corn to this is, you know, really variable, some breakable crust, some, you know, kind of like wind pressed, a uh, little bit of icy conditions in there as well. So I got the full spectrum, which was great. But it was also cool just to see New Zealand from the air and really like understand yeah. how vast the terrain is, yeah. um, how many options there are. It's almost overwhelming yeah. just to see the scale of the mountains there and just how many yeah. little valleys and drainages and everything else. It's really cool. Yeah, you're so right, Cara. And the one thing to say about that variable conditions are good for your technique. Oh, yeah. <laughs> your jump turns, you know, in crud or in um, breakable ice. But, but that's one of the things that always blows me away if you're looking up at, um, say, um, at the top of Treble Cone or Coronet Peak and you're just looking out onto an endless 
um, you know, range of, of, of mountains. And as you say, uh, up higher in a, in a um, helicopter, the same. A lot of places never been skied, you know, places people you know, even now have still never been to. So, um, yeah, pretty That's exciting. Awesome. So we're kind of crafting together some tips and kind of giving people some ideas of what's out there. So you kind of hit on that there's sort of it, skiing for everyone based on what sort of experience you're looking for. Maybe you're spending a couple of days at a snowfield um, and then you're maybe hiring a heli for a day and trying to kind of mix it in. Um, once you sort of settle on a location, I mean, do you think like logistically, does it make sense for people to rent a car? Like what does it really look like to get around New Zealand and what's the way to kind of make the most of your time there? I always recommend renting a car. There's nothing for me. There's nothing like having the freedom to 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 go where you, you yeah. like when you when you like. Um, just an, an, an another great experience. So I think you know you can fly in and out of Queenstown, but you can also fly into Christchurch and make your way to Queenstown and 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 experience some of those other fields along the way. Uh, and yeah, obviously a car is required for that. Um, the the in Queenstown and Wanaka, the you know the the mountains do a good job of getting you up the mountain if you want to. You know they run transport, um, but if you do want to experience those other other fields, then you do need to have have your own transport. And even even the drive to those mountains, Cara, I don't know if you skied um, at Mount Hutt or um, okay, so the the roads are um, do we say uh, some of them are challenging, but um, the round the round hill road, for example, runs up alongside Lake Tekapo. You can see Mount um, Cook in the distance. It's just snow white. It's just so beautiful. And then the actual road up to round hills on the um, north facing slope, so it's uh, reasonably safe, easy to get up up there. So um, yeah, there's there's a, a range of of, uh, of roads. The road to Dobson's a bit like the road to Mount Hutt, you look at them and you wonder how the hell they were ever built uh, because they are 16, 18K long. Um, they are, you know, um, steep um, corners, uh, water, you know, snow, uh, the kind of thing that um, we often joke about now, the, um, our Department of Conservation dock. There's no way in the world they will allow these kind of um, roads to be built now as well. And so they Kind of, I like I like treasures basically. Um, moving forward, so yeah, be be prepared. You'll need chains, be able to put chains on a lot of the time, that kind of stuff. But that's all part of the experience. It's um, being in New Zealand, it's uh, it's pretty special. Yeah, that's awesome. And I mean, you've kind of touched on it a couple of times, but I do want people to think about this a bit more. That like, uh, you know, the snows up high. You guys are an island nation. In the middle of winter, there's still so much other things you can be doing besides just skiing. Um, you know, that you can rent a bike for a day and just kind of journey around Queenstown or whatever it may be, or maybe um go for a hike and things like that. Is there any sort of yeah other well, things yeah. you'd want people to think about uh doing while they're in New Zealand that isn't just skiing? That's a really good point, actually. For example, um w- with our ski hire, if people want to have a day off skiing, boarding, um, they, they can swap them out for bikes, for us, e-bikes or whatever else. Um but there's a reason why um, Queenstown is called the adventure capital of the world. Uh, you can bungee jump, you can um, ride a jet boat. There's all sorts of things that um, you can do, uh, and and Wanaka the same as well. So uh, it's pretty much whatever takes your fancy. Parapon, um, you know, uh, jump out of a plane over Lake Wakatipu, the same over Wanaka. Uh, there's, there's, um, you can go and um, rifle shoot. Uh, you can. There's, oh, it's almost unlimited. There's literally hundreds and hundreds of activities that you can do um, if you don't want to go skiing for the day. Or um, and then and then on top of all that, there's all the various wineries, Pinonwa, uh, best best uh, Pinonwa in the world, um, in in Gibston um, and Bannockburn, which is uh, Cromwell across towards Wanaka, and there are world class dining experiences. There's there's probably 15 or 20 uh, vineyards that um, cater cater for that. We, we haven't talked about restaurants, uh, the food. Um, Wanaka and Queenstown again. You can Aratown as well. You can pretty much uh, dine 
Berg Burger in Queenstown. Um, it's just it, like literally hundreds of restaurants. It's and, so on. So it's a pretty, and and yeah, just pretty meat cool pies. If you just want to eat meat pies oh, the whole time, oh, yeah. you can do that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> That's pretty much what I did. I was like, this is the, this is all I need right here. This is great. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Cara. So another, another thing is, uh, we're just about to go and go into event season. So I guess one of the the beauties about New Zealand is if you're a snow sports enthusiast and you, and you, you want to be up and close and personal with athletes, you know, it's very concentrated. You know, we're, we, we have some of the best, uh, park skiers. Um, yeah. We've got a fantastic park, and, and both remarkable and Katrona. But you know, when it comes to the events, we got world class athletes that come and base themselves here. Yeah. It is one of the few places and, they can train in the off season. Exactly. Uh, and New Zealand and Games are starting this Friday. Winter so Winter Games. Yeah. See, yeah. Yeah. Some of the, some of the best athletes, and this is not just New Zealand. This is Americans. This is uh, Europeans. Uh, and from slalom, GS, big mountain, big air, um, snowboard, mm-hmm. e- exactly. So you can get up close and personal with um, with some am- amazing athletes and watch them, talk with them, get their autograph, et cetera. So that, that's very, very cool. That's awesome. And so as far as timing, I mean, is this kind of like the time uh, right, right now, late August, that you'd recommend people maybe schedule a trip? Or what do you think as far as like trying to make the most out of all that New Zealand has to offer? What I'd say is, sorry, Darren, definitely after the school holidays, which are typically um, around about the 20th of July they finish, because then we're catering for New Zealand and Australian uh, families, and that's typically the busiest time of the winter, uh, regardless of snow conditions, whatever. So in any time from late July through to um, early September, typically you could um, say that the, the snow conditions uh, are going to be, you know, mother nature willing is as good as it gets yeah and then by that time in the season you have the a little bit more of a snowpack a little more coverage on everything yep. and it's a little bit warmer afternoon you know spring skiing the sun's out um so on it uh it, yeah it's the best time of, of our winter generally we get regular top-ups through this time of the year which yeah. is you know a bit more reliable uh, <laughs> So then I guess as people are thinking about a trip to New Zealand, maybe what would you have as far as recommendations on gear? Um, not just like what type of skis might be best, um, but also maybe like anything as far as like apparel or just things you wish people knew uh, when they're packing for their trip to New Zealand. Uh, what might make it a better experience? Well, I think layering uh, and, and also, you know, waterproof layers. Yeah. I know that you know in certain parts of the world, you know, you can have very, very, very cold, dry environments. So you may not need a, a waterproof shell to be your ski layer, but in New Zealand, you do. We can, we can have a moisture content. Yeah, be yeah. Be, be prepared to to have any sort of element, really. Yeah, and definitely, you're right. Layering. I'm wearing a Hagloff's um, full on eight fifty down jacket sometimes first thing in the morning, and then by by you know early afternoon, I'm skiing in a base layer. So um, I think that's a really good point that, um, you know, our, our conditions, we, it can be really cold, gnarly, windy, but then it can also um, change pretty quickly. It can be uh, really warm. Um, so, yeah, be prepared for We sell a, a, an incredible amount of heated socks, believe it or not. And, you know, it's because we've got a moisture content. You know, it's, it might not be as cold as other parts of the world, but because we've got that bit of, wee bit of moisture content, yeah. You can you can feel the cold a little bit more sometimes. Yeah, yeah. And then um, if people are interested in skiing backcountry, as far as backcountry gear goes, I mean, with the, some of the variable conditions we've talked about, do you think it sometimes makes sense to have a bit of a heavier backcountry ski, or do you still see a lot of people skiing like pretty light setups? Definitely heavier backcountry ski for me. I think just way safer. Um, we typically all that light, light backcountry scene hasn't really taken off in New Zealand. I think for exactly that, that, uh, that reason, um, that you, you do need to, um, be prepared for a, you know, a range of, of conditions simply because we're an island nation and the weather's a lot more variable. Uh, yeah. Do you sell like a lot of, you know, true pin touring bindings or does it end up being more of like a, 
50 uh, 50-50 binding, something like a shift, or like what do you see the most of? We we see a, I guess the majority of the market really is um is side country market. Yeah, shifts. And so yeah, so shifts, shifts. The Duke PT. Rock. Yeah. Stuff like yeah, that. that style of, that style of binding is by far and away the greater yeah. volume for us. Mm-hmm. Uh, even for our probably our, our guide customers now, you know, we know that they're they're, they're safe. Um, so. Yeah, binding police on the need to all that kind of stuff these days. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah, all that makes sense. So yeah, good layers, yeah. actual waterproof, uh, you know, outerwear, and then yeah, thinking about maybe a a ski that's gonna do well in variable conditions, or if you're unsure which ski might be best for the day, you can go visit these guys at Outside Sports, and they will happily probably tell you exactly which ski will be ideal for the conditions. Yep. Awesome. Definitely. Um, well, aside from that, I mean, is there anything else you guys kind of want, like wish people would know when traveling to New Zealand or things maybe to expect or just anything else you'd want to point out to someone coming to ski New Zealand for the first time? I think you, you're going to find New Zealand is a really friendly bunch. Um, what, one thing that, um, is, is like so important now with the, um, the rise of, um, Airbnb and, and so on is you're actually, Make make sure you you stay a night or two in Airbnbs and um, experience uh, you know uh, hospitality of New Zealanders. I just um, we spent in Ohau, Lake Ohau, which has got an amazing little ski field. In the weekend we didn't ski there, but um, we stayed in Airbnb in an Airbnb um, with a couple of um, people for the night, and they had all this amazing old ski kit, everything else, stories. It was just a really um, and he was third third generation. Um, the guy is. His great grandfather had started the station, Low House Station. So just that whole history, just being able to connect with people from the area, from the region, um, who were also, you know, passionate skiers, that, that blew me away. And, um, so that I, yeah, I couldn't, um, advise enough. Make, make sure maybe not all the time, but that you are, um, you know, trying to connect with, with, um, New Zealanders because you'll, you'll really enjoy it. You really benefit from it. Yeah. And just a good note there as far as not just being there to ski and kind of consume different aspects of things, but also just really get to know the culture and the whole history of things there. I mean, I, I definitely learned a lot while I was there and it was really interesting to, you know, kind of dive into some of that. Yeah, yeah, that's what we're proud of. You know, like it's, it's great to have commercial activities happening, but it's also, um, you know, we're, we're proud of being Kiwi. <laughs> we're, we're proud of our All Blacks and, um, you know, we, yeah, we, you know, you know, probably some of the most exciting conversations are, are, are about those ones that are, um, yeah, you know, and and our marriage, yeah, with yeah. the with the unique um, rentals out of a container and and you know a, a little hut for um for, for the cafe, and there's somebody that does the baking and you know it's yeah. it's that's um it's that it's a neat experience and you know we. Uh, yeah, we hope that a lot of people come and enjoy it. One of the things I think, Cara, that just worth highlighting finally is you may have heard Whakapapa Tūraua in the North Island, the volcanic um, ski fields. It was a quite a risk of them shutting down, but I think the local Mary um, tribe is, uh, I think, very, very close to actually um, running them both, setting them up for the long-term future, which is super important for New Zealand, for the snow industry as a whole, because the bulk of the people live in the North Island in Auckland and having an opportunity to come down and ski. Uh, they're having their best winter in years, by the way. So that's something else to think about. Um, like I had, was it a metre and a half the other day, I think, of snow? So it's just been, um, yeah, it's been pretty good to say the least. So that that's also really good to see. Awesome. Um, well, I know that this all makes me want to go back to New Zealand, whether it's, again, to ski or just to come and bike which is a whole nother thing that we didn't even talk about but i've heard summer there is absolutely incredible so that's uh the other half the year that you guys get to enjoy um but i know you guys are in the heart of your season you're probably gonna go ski right after this um and for those of us here in the northern hemisphere who are just starting to get the itch for ski season and start to you know, feel our excitement bubbling up because it's only a couple of months away. Um, I might just ask both of you to describe like some of your favorite turns of the season or just maybe one of the more 
memorable days you've had on skis recently to get us thinking about what we have to look forward to? For me, uh, Round Hill last Thursday with uh, Darren and his son Liam, 25 centimeters of fresh champagne powder. Uh, Access was um, Heritage Toe. Uh, how long is it, Darren? 890 meters? It's going to be sad because I'm going to say the same, but yeah, 783 vertical 783. meter uh, rope okay. toe. The, the longest rope toe in the Southern Hemisphere and, and the steepest. And believe you me, uh, we did three runs for the day and it was uh, like the, the snow was champagne. I was watching Darren Powder coming up behind him. Um, you know, sparse, short, sharp turns. Uh, one stage you couldn't feel the bottom. Um, it, yeah, the kind of day that, yeah, that, uh, was um, on very special. And then also the view, you're looking out across um, Pekapo, beautiful blue to white mountains, Mount Cook sticking up above the rest, and then blue sky uh, with no way. It was, it was one of those days that, um, you know, <laughs> yeah, just, yeah. Yeah. Apparently, and, a fun fact with the rope tie was that, uh, as I say, it's 783 vertical meters. So when the installers were putting it in, they didn't know that it was going to work. Well, the ski field owners reckon some people say it's better than heli skiing, and um, that's a good point because, like, by the end of the day, the whole the, the whole mountainside still wasn't skied out. There was still you could friends of our last run, friends had come up in the afternoon. We went right uh, traversed right across, and then had a fresh powder champagne run as well. So very very special. Um, so that was that was pretty hard to top for me. Yeah, that sounds pretty good, and it's cool you guys had your best day of the season together. So that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, and Very like lucky. that, yeah, that slope is like the perfect um, vertical um, slope as well. It's just steep enough that it's really easy to turn without being too um, so steep that you know you're starting to think, oh, um, you know, this I got to be careful here, kind of stuff. So yeah, it is such a perfect a, a perfect place to ski. That's awesome. Well, that definitely gets me thinking about skiing. And like I said, it gets me thinking about returning to New Zealand. So hopefully in the next couple of years, I can make that happen. But if anyone listening to this podcast does make their way to New Zealand, these guys have provided tons of information, giving a lot to think about. And of course, if you have any other questions, you can just stop in outside sports and uh, see what gear might be best for the day. Uh, Maybe get some beta on which ski field to go to for the day, whatever it may be. So thanks for answering all those questions, guys. All right. Well, before we close out today, uh, I do know that John has a crashes and close calls story for us, and it sounds like it happened pretty recently. So what do you have, John? Two weeks ago, Cara, um, at Mount Dobson, last run of the day, it was pretty icy. Um, on on piece was groomed. I was on uh, 108 um, wide skis with rockers, so probably not the right thing to be on on uh on icy conditions my mate who the season's passed for dobson knows the area really well um took me up the t-bar there uh and we went uh left skiers left to uh what was um quite an icy icy fairly steep patch and i was rocking along and the next thing i know um i'm head um head butting the ice uh broke through luckily wasn't wearing a helmet even dumber and um it actually was a lot worse, like, it was, sorry, a lot better than, than, um, what initially I thought, but there was blood everywhere. There was blood on the, um, on the ice, you know, one of those ones. Uh, and I, um, didn't have any concussion, uh, felt okay, but, uh, yeah, for four or five days, um, I had quite a few grazes. Darren, you probably saw me too, didn't you? Like bits and yeah, pieces. Yeah, but I didn't have a lot, a lot of skin <laughs> left on that, on that cheek. <laughs> no, oh no, one of those really dumb ones. And like I was, one moment I was fine, and then next moment both skis released being I was not even quick enough to get my hands up. So um, a few lessons there, even for an old boy like me, um, wear a helmet. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> don't ski with your mate. Um, last run of the day uh, over somewhere where you haven't skied before that it's glistening. Um, yeah, so. yeah, all good points, and I think uh, the key words there are last run of the day. That's when it always gets you. So be careful. <laughs> Well, thanks for sharing that, John. And I'm glad you're okay, despite having lost some skin off the cheek. But I guess it could have been worse. So <laughs> could have been a lot worse, actually. And as I say, wear a helmet um, on a bike or, or on a ski field. That um, real lesson there for me, too. Yep, absolutely. 
Awesome. Well, thanks so much, Darren and John. It's been a real pleasure. I uh, am stoked that you guys are enjoying the season over there. And of course, now I'm even more excited for ski season over here. And so thanks for joining me today. Fantastic. Thank you, Kara. It's been a pleasure. Thank you very much. Well, there you have it, folks. John's crash story where all he was left with was a bloody cheek. He was pretty lucky on that one, thankfully. Thank you so much for tuning into this week's edition of Gear 30. Thanks, of course, to the highly skilled Justin Bob for producing this episode. Thanks to John and Darren at Outside Sports for taking time amidst their busy ski season. And thanks to all of our Blister Recommended shops out there who are working hard to get things ready for the ski season here in the Northern Hemisphere. Thanks, of course, to all of you for tuning in. We will catch you all real soon. Come Monday on our Blister podcast, Tuesday on Off the Couch, Wednesday you get crafted. And if you're a Blister member, you can tune into our live stream, Ask Us Anything Happy Hour session occurring again this Wednesday evening. And then, of course, there's Bikes and Big Ideas on Thursday. And well, you know the drill from there. All right. Cheers, everybody.